Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's why I think I'm so grateful that now there's podcasting and social media and everything like that. So when you feel those emotions, you're able to see someone else relate to your experience and you're able to know that you're not alone and that you do deserve to be loved and that you're allowed to break this generational trauma and you're allowed to unlearn whatever you thought love was and you're allowed to start learning again what real love really is. It's Violet Benson, your favorite meme queen and the big sis you didn't ask for but need. Welcome to Almost Adulting. Almost Adulting. Ready? Hi, Vasties, and welcome to a brand new Almost Adulting, your number one podcast for mental health and dating advice by me, your host, and your best friend, Violetta Benson. Today's episode is all about why we are so compelled to love difficult people. It is the third week of January. I can't believe it's already that far off. Like, that's pretty crazy. Next thing you know, it's December and the year's ending. Um, if you're listening today, that means that yesterday I did my first stand-up of the year. As you know, I've decided to dive into stand-up this year, really giving my all, starting with yesterday as my first little stand-up routine. I'm hoping to do a lot of it. So if you ever go into the improv, you may just catch me in one of the side rooms or the main rooms just doing stand-up. And I'm planning on just getting better and better. That's the goal. So before we get started, I hope you are continuing to manifest. And the only way you can manifest anything that you want in your life is by telling yourself that you already have it. And that means that also if you want to be successful, you have to act like you're successful. If you want love, then you have to give love. You have to act like you are love and all that. But, you know, that's for another episode. But before we get started, don't forget to download this episode right now. And subscribe to my podcast if you haven't already. We have amazing episodes this whole year from funny, hilarious Tuesday episodes that involve you guys, which I'm obsessed with, to amazing Thursday episodes. Right now, January is all about the solo episodes. So definitely subscribe right now to hear brand new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. Don't forget to write me a five-star review when you finish listening to this episode. And now let's get started. So... You're going to find out why I'm the number one female mental health podcaster, okay? So here's why. Why do we love difficult people? Have you ever had a friend that says something like, oh my God, I always date cheaters. I don't know what it is, but for some reason, all the men that I date are cheaters or all the men that I date are narcissists or no matter who I date, they never love me back or all the men that I date are just so broken and they need saving. I don't know why I always attract projects. But what if I told you that this is actually not a coincidence? What if I told you that who we choose to love is a lot less of a choice than we believe it is? What people struggle to understand is that our psychological history predisposes us to fall for only certain type of people. 
We tend to attract partners and a type of love that feels familiar based on our upbringing. And until we're able to notice that this is a pattern and make a conscious decision to finally break this pattern, we're going to continue to date the same person over and over and over again, just in a different body. We are subconsciously drawn to people who recreate the feelings of love that we knew when we were small, good or bad. And for many of us, especially as a child, love comes with strings attached and with certain painful aspects, like feelings of not being good enough due to an absent parent, a feeling that you had to work to earn your love due to a strict parent, a feeling of needing to be a caregiver due to an addict parent, a feeling of never being fully vulnerable or always on high alert due to an abusive parent, and so on. We may completely write off certain partners that otherwise may be perfect for us because they don't satisfy this yearning that we have for complexities that we subconsciously grew up associating love with. That means that you can meet someone that treats you so well, but if you grew up with a parent that made you feel like you're hard to love or that love had to be earned, then getting love easily from a new partner wouldn't make sense to you. It wouldn't look like love. It could be standing right in front of you and you still wouldn't see it. It would feel fake or it would feel needy or just too much and it wouldn't feel like home. So you would end up rejecting it, leaving the other person confused as if their love is not enough. When in reality, you just don't know what love is because you never got to actually experience it. We may confuse our lack of spark with feeling a lack of, "Mm, this person doesn't make me suffer in the way that I need to suffer in order to feel that our love is real. So instead, you end up being drawn to people that make you feel intoxicated within the minute that you meet them. You know, you ever meet those people and you're like, oh my God, I'm so drawn to you. Oh my God, you just feel like home. I just feel like you get me. Is this love? No, (laughs) it's not. It feels like home and you think, wow, there's something so special there. But in reality, it feels like home because you're repeating a pattern. When we're in shitty relationships, our friends and family always tell us to just quote unquote leave as if it's that easy. But for some reason, Something about these people, we just can't magically redirect that attraction. Instead, we end up trying to transform the person that we're currently dating that we think we're in love with, which is one of the reasons we tend to to stay in platonic or romantic relationships with people who are bad for us, but we're hoping we can change them. It's your inner child recreating the same scenario that you went through when you were younger with people who were supposed to love you but failed you and hoping that somehow with these new people, that that same scenario, that this time, this time, the outcome will be different. But it never is. Instead, it feels like home because you get to date someone that validates exactly what you felt growing up. Whether it was your mother who made you feel like you're hard to love, or a father that made you feel like you had to chase his approval, to be loved, and so on. They make you feel like you're not enough. That's why you end up finding partners that make you feel exactly that. Without these partners, even knowing the effect that they have on you. A lot of the time, we blame these partners for treating us like shit or for, you know, bringing out the worst in us. When in reality, they don't know that they're triggering us. That's why sometimes you date people and something about them is just so triggering that you find yourself reacting in ways that are not like you. Even by people you just met, you start reacting like the old you, like the one you thought that you've outgrown. You start showing parts of yourself that you hate. You feel so unlovable that you become just that, unlovable. 
and you think to yourself, wow, this person must have really meant so much to me. This person must be so special. I must really like this person. Is this love? Why is it taking me so long to get over them if we're going through a breakup when I barely knew this person? But no, guess what? It's not love. It was never about them at all. You are actually reacting so extreme, whether it's to a fight with this person or going through a breakup with them because you're grieving past trauma that you accidentally triggered during your relationship with them or when you parted ways with this person. Doesn't that make you kind of feel better knowing that you're not actually sad over this random human, that they don't have some special hold over you, that it's actually just your inner child needing a hug? Until you can understand that this is happening to you, you're going to continue to date the same person over and over and over again till you've had enough. Until you're finally ready to unlearn everything that you thought you ever knew about love. So then why do we love difficult people? Well, there's a few various reasons to, to it. One of them being because we see our problems in them. Is this little trigger in our brains that makes us feel like we understand what this person is going through. And although I can't overcome what I'm going through, maybe if I can help them in some way, it'll help me. Since helping someone else with their issues is way easier than handling your own issues. We have a feeling that we're doing something useful, and at least for someone else, if not for ourselves. Another reason is that it reopens old wounds. There's a part of us that just feels so alive because it's involving a relationship that presents our old wounds. And then this other person voluntarily or involuntarily reopens these wounds for us because we never actually completely heal them. We just hit them back, back, back in our bodies or in our minds or in our subconscious somewhere. We never realized that we never took care of it. And that part of us finds a person to be emotionally involved with them at the highest level. Sometimes these relationships though, can be very beneficial for us. Those are called twin flames. So as long as you can see this in a positive light that you're not meant to stay with this person, you're meant to learn from them, then it will help you grow. Another reason why we attract people that are hard to love is because some of us, even some of us that call ourselves people pleasers, in a weird way, is that feeling of somebody needs us. It either makes us feel guilty and that's why we stick around or it makes us feel powerful and that's enough to make us stay, especially if you're naturally a caretaker or a very empathetic person. But sometimes it crosses over to some narcissistic traits where you're such a caregiver, but it gives you a high that you're always there to, to help people because it makes people depend on you and you don't know how to exist without people needing you. Another reason why we tend to be attracted to quote unquote difficult love or difficult people is because problems or difficult people, they seem more real and authentic to us. One thing that we're very scared of humans in general is to be deceived. And we know that a lot of times people put their best face on or our best front. And then when we come across someone that feels so raw and so open with their issues, it feels different about them. It feels so real when in reality, those people are not our toys. Those people are not just something to play with and then throw away. It can be problematic because those people have real issues that they need to work on themselves. And then you end up being dragged into their issues. But I think one of the main full reasons, it does have more to do with our childhood trauma. And even if you think you were raised in the perfect family 
with your mom and your dad, both together, both giving you love, you will still somehow develop either mommy issues or daddy issues or some type of issues. And you will then learn how to love through that without even realizing. Even until recently, I thought that I was so healed from my daddy issues. I worked so hard on myself. And throughout these years, one of the reasons I created this podcast was to learn how to love and how to unlearn what I thought love was growing up. But then recently, I'm sitting here and I made a list with my girlfriend about all the men that I've been dating just to see if there was something in common between them. And I've dated every flavor of guy, (laughs) different cultures, different countries, you know, every type of man out there, different fields of professions and all that. And yet they all had one thing in common and that every guy that I've dated recently has daddy issues. I thought I stopped dating men who were emotionally unavailable because I healed my inner child of seeking that because that's what I had with my father growing up. I told my inner child that she deserves love. She deserves touch. And I finally started to go towards what I wanted as an adult. And I really thought I was done with healing myself. And then I never realized that although I may not have been drawing in emotionally unavailable men anymore that made me feel unlovable, I was still so drawn to people who were identical to my father because I wasn't done healing. My father, whose dad passed away when he was 17, my dad has daddy issues. I didn't even process this fucking connection until two weeks ago. Sorry for my French. My dad has daddy issues. That's why my dad gave me daddy issues. For fuck's sake, the cycle just goes on. How mad is that? I never even realized. I just thought, oh, my dad's emotionally unavailable because he's Russian and I've gone, I fixed myself and, and I healed myself and I don't want emotionally unavailable people anymore. My dad wasn't there when I was born. He was sailing. Well, that's what he did for work. And that's something I think I never really discuss. My dad's an engineer and growing up, my father used to sail on these cargo ships for months at a time. So when I was born in Russia, my father was in the Navy, in the Russian Navy. So when he found out that my mother was having another girl, because I have an older sister, he felt so disappointed and he didn't see the point to be there. So he actually stayed at work. So he wasn't there during my birth. So if that hints you, daddy issues. Yeah, (laughs) it started when I was born. Right before I was born, he was already disappointed with me. Growing up with my dad, he would be sailing most of the year, usually for three months at a time, and then he would be back home for around a month. So I used to see my dad around four months of the year. And when he was home, he was just super busy fixing things around the house. And that was his love language. I just didn't know that yet. I didn't know his love language was fixing things and providing because it was something his alcoholic father wasn't able to do for him and his mother. As a child, obviously, you want different type of love. You're not aware that, to me, what I saw was someone who didn't love me, who didn't want to be around me. It's 2024, and we are starting the year right with therapy, okay? Take care of yourself for the first time in your life the same way you take care of your physical body. You need to take care of your mental health as well. So do you think seeing a therapist or psychiatrist would be helpful for you? But let's say maybe you didn't have the time last year to actually find one and meet with them or even afford them. Then guess what? I have a solution for you. And that is Talkspace. 
It saved my life. I've been using Talkspace now for years. It's so easy. It helps you find a therapist that you like. It's convenient to meet them online. I still meet my therapist from Talkspace online, virtually. I was doing it during the pandemic and I continue to do it now. You can meet them at home or wherever you're most comfortable. And it just made such a huge difference in my life. And I know it will make the same difference in your life. Okay. Talkspace has made it so easy getting the help that you need. It's easy, it's accessible, and it's affordable. And with Talkspace, you can sign up online and get a personalized match with a provider that's right for you, typically within just 48 hours. It's amazing. It's incredibly convenient to have virtual sessions with your licensed therapist from the comfort of your home. Trust me, I know. And Talkspace can help with any specific challenges you might be facing. It's the number one online therapy platform for a reason. They have licensed therapists in over 40 specialties from anxiety, depression, substance abuse, relationship issues, and so much more. It's secure, it's private, and it's also affordable and an in-network with most major insurers. So as a listener of my podcast, you can get $80 off of your first month with Talkspace when you go to Talkspace.com slash adulting. So again, to match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash adulting to get $80 off of your first month and show your support for the show and also show your support for your mental health, okay? Make it a priority this year. So again, that is Talkspace.com slash adulting. Okay, besties, I want to tell you about Gia. It's one of my favorite non-alcoholic aperitif brands. It's inspired by the Mediterranean. It's made with the purest ingredients, no alcohol, no artificial flavors, no added sugar. It's vegan. It's literally amazing. I've talked about it before. I'm obsessed with all of their flavors. I have all of them. I have the Gia Soda, Lime and Salt, Gia Ginger, their Summer and Chili. And now they have this newly released drink. It's their first non-bitter flavor. It's their Berry Aperitif. This one is bold, juicy, and tart. So I have it right now in my office, in my podcast room, and in my refrigerator. It's for the girlies who are not looking to have a hangover for the next 75 days. And you still want to enjoy a cool drink that looks cool with your friends who are drinking. And I'm telling you, Gia is the non-alcoholic beverage for you. Spritz it for a dry, sparkling pairing with your favorite food, or you can pour over ice for a sweet nightcap. So visit drinkgia.com and use my code ADULTING at checkout for 20% off of your first purchase. That's D-R-I-N-K-G. H-I-A.com and use my code ADULTING for 20% off. Trust me, it's going to be your favorite drink this year. He never really spoke to me much as a child. So I started to learn that the only time my father would acknowledge me was when I was getting in trouble. So at a young age, I got to learn that if I act out, I will get a reaction. It didn't matter that sometimes our reaction was my dad yelling at me or beating me for being bad because I started to associate that type of passion with love. I thought, wow, he's so mad at me. For me to make him feel so much, he must really care about me. And since he never actually said, I love you, I started to associate that behavior with love, that the only way I knew if someone loved me was if they were mad at me and they acted, reacted really passionately when they were angry at me. The only way I could get my father to notice me was if I acted out. So I started running away more often 
or talking back when he was home from one of his trips. So he would just notice me. I didn't know how to ask for love because I didn't know what it was. Even though it was actually right in front of me the whole time, aka my mother, who loved me so much unconditionally. But it didn't matter because all I wanted was to be seen by my father. I had to work for his love. I had to earn it. Well, with my mother, she just gave it so easily and it made me take it for granted. I didn't believe it. It didn't make sense to me. I thought my mother was needy and I thought she was weak because she showed emotion so easily and I didn't understand why she would do that. So I just continued instead chasing my father's love around. No matter how many times he forgot how old I was or when it was my birthday or what grade I was in or any other details about me, it didn't matter. It just told me I had to work a little harder for him to eventually love me. Another less painful way that I was able to get my father's attention was to pick up his hobbies. Because we didn't speak that much, I figured at least I could be around him during his hobbies. That's why it's so funny that right now as a grown-up, I thought that I was so unique that all of my hobbies are so cool when in reality, my hobbies, all of them as an adult, belong to my father. I grew up playing video games, watching action movies, playing chess, doing math, and assembling puzzles because that's my dad's hobbies, which are still mine as well as an adult. <laughs> the funny thing is that I actually don't like video games anymore. <laughs> I agreed them years ago, but it's something that I still never told my father. To this day, whenever I visit my parents' house, my dad prepares a video game for me to play and I just play it because I don't have the heart to tell my dad that I never actually liked it. I know it makes him happy, so I still play video games for him. I don't know. I think it's kind of funny and sweet, especially because now as an adult, we work through our relationship. So it's important for me to make him feel loved. I, I don't hold the past against him. But anyway, when I was 14 and we moved to the U.S., it was the first time I got to live with my dad full time and we did not get along. I grew so resentful of him because no matter what I did, I wasn't enough. It's like I hated him so much, but I still wanted his approval so bad. And my sister was just always better than me in everything. And he just gave her love freely while he scolded me constantly and constantly told me that I need to be as good as her. Constantly told me, why are you not as good as your sister? Why is she so much better at you than everything? Constantly told me how dumb I am, what a loser I am, <laughs> what a failure I am. And he... Always told me that, look, you may not be smart, but at least you're pretty. So you have that for now. So that's one thing my dad always focused on me with, that I can never be as good as my sister or him. I'm not good at anything. I'm kind of a failure, but I'm pretty. So I have my looks. And I never realized that all those things connected to what I would end up attracting when I was finally ready to date. So then I met my second boyfriend who I was on and off with for seven years, one of my most toxic relationships. And with this boyfriend, I remember one time he said something to me and I, I think I, I, I stole pills from my mother because all the other kids I knew were doing pills and my mother is on a lot of different prescription medication for her chronic illness. So like a kid, I stole some medication from her and I showed my boyfriend before he became my boyfriend, I showed him this pill case. And I was like, look, look what I have. How cool is that, right? <laughs> and he made this comment. It was in the parking lot of Taco Bell. <laughs> it 
it was in the parking lot of Taco Bell. And he looked at me and he was like, you don't need drugs. I am your drug. And he threw out the pills. And I think I took that so literally because I became addicted to this man. This guy, his father passed away a couple of months before we started dating. Hmm. That sounds familiar. Yeah, I know. We were 19 and his dad passed away when he was 18. And he had to take over the business from his dad. So he was kind of like a boss and needing to take care of his mom. Kind of what my dad needed to do. Needed to take care of his mom when his father passed away for being an alcoholic and uh, getting beat up to death by, for being a Jew by guards because he went to jail. <laughs> a little different, but, uh, you know, that's for another time. But anyway, that's already similar. And this man, guess what he was? Emotionally unavailable. Yeah, you guessed it. And we were on and off for seven or eight years. And all I cared was to be beautiful for him. I didn't even realize that it had to do with how my dad made me feel, even though I was so resentful towards him. He told me all I have to offer is my beauty. And with my boyfriend, that's all I cared about. I wanted to be his prize. I wanted to be so beautiful for him. For seven years, if we were together, let's say, without breaking up for eight months, every day I shaved my whole body for him. He wanted anal, got it anal right away. He wanted me to leave university and drive to have sex with him because he needs me around. I'm there. I always shaved my whole body for him. I always cared to be beautiful for him. I always cared. I just want to be his trophy wife. I just want to be good enough for him. But with this guy, no matter what I did, I just wasn't enough. And I didn't know at the time, but it's because being with him felt familiar. And it was my inner child hoping that with this man, if I act different, if I do better, maybe with this guy, he'll tell me that he loves me. And I finally will get that validation that I needed when I was younger from my father, because they were so similar in so many ways that I didn't see yet. And we were on off a lot because he was cheating on me all the time too, which I had no idea. I didn't know yet. When I remember on my 21st birthday, my boyfriend, he knew that I was supposed to celebrate with a few of my guy friends. We were supposed to get tables, like three tables. And these guys were my guy friends were going to pay for one of the tables for me for my birthday because it was all of our 21st birthdays. And my boyfriend was invited as well. We were all friends together. But my boyfriend didn't like me talking to other guys. And obviously I couldn't afford to get my own table, but these guys are rich and they could. So these guys were going to do that for me and we're all going to celebrate. But my boyfriend didn't like that idea. So he decided to make plans on that night. And he said, no, we're going to go watch Twilight. <laughs> we're going to go on a triple date. So I ended up not going to my own birthday party to celebrate. And I just went to see Twilight with two other couples on my birthday. And then the next day on my real birthday, my boyfriend just ignored me the whole day. And I kept texting him and all that. And he told me that he's breaking up with me. And that he just wanted to make sure I wasn't going to be a hoe and go to a club to celebrate my birthday. He just wanted to make sure that I wasn't going to do that, but he was already planning on breaking up with me. And I remember I was laying in bed, bawling my eyes out on my 21st birthday. And I asked him, why don't you love me? I don't understand. Why am I not enough? <laughs> and he said, because I could never love someone like you. And the crazy part is that I believed him because I went back to him a million more times. I mean, imagine someone saying that to you. you. You just are so desperate to be loved. I remember I was like, please, I just got you back. Like, I'll do anything to be with you. Why don't you love me? I don't understand. And for someone to just say back on your 21st birthday, because I can never love someone like you. For years, 
I believed him and I wanted to change his mind because deep down I was hoping that if I changed his mind that I would be able to change mine as well because I don't think I loved someone like me either. It's crazy because I'm not bitter about my past or anything like that but I think when I do a lot of these episodes and I revisit the past it's hard for me not to feel emotional about it even though I don't feel that pain anymore and I don't feel broken anymore it's a feeling of feeling sorry for the younger me that no one was there to give her advice or to tell her that it's not true those emotions that she was feeling and that's why I think I'm so grateful that now there's podcasting and social media and everything like that so when you feel those emotions you're able to see someone else relate to your experience and you're able to know that you're not alone and that you do deserve to be loved and that you're allowed to break this generational trauma and you're allowed to unlearn whatever you thought love was and you're allowed to start learning again what real love really is and you're allowed to walk away from situations like this. I spent all my 20s on being with someone that I was hoping would love me but he never did and I don't think I loved that person either but I wish I had some guidance in my 20s. I wish I seeked out some guidance so I could have known that that was never real love and I could have walked away sooner. So that's why when I do these episodes, it's in a hopes that people listening, you guys can learn from my mistakes. This episode is brought to you by IQ Bar. I feel like I've been starting my year right, healthier with IQ Bar. I used to not take my breakfast seriously. I used to not eat breakfast in last year. And it literally would ruin my day without me realizing I'd be so tired by mid-afternoon. I'd be so foggy, have no energy. And now IQ Bar has made my breakfast so simple and easy that now I actually remember and have time to do it. Their IQ Planet Protein Bars are so quick, dye-friendly, brain-boosting, amazing, breakfast. And I also enjoy now drinking their IQ Joe to sustain the energy that I need to focus throughout my whole day. So if your 2024 resolutions involve leveling up your diet, then start right with IQ Bar's brain and body boosting bars. I'm telling you, it's so good. Their hydration mixes and their mushroom coffees. Their ultimate sampler pack includes all three, okay? You can get seven IQ Bar flavors, four IQ Mix flavors, and four IQ Joe flavors. And today, my besties can get an exclusive offer of 20% off Plus, free shipping. All you have to do is sex adulting to 64,000. That's 64,000. Their ultimate sampler pack is such a great way to try all the IQ Bar products and flavors to figure out what you're into. All IQ Bar products are entirely free from gluten, dairy, soy, GMOs, and artificial sweeteners. Whether you're running a marathon or you're running errands, IQ Bar empowers doers with superior brain and body nutrition. Their Planet Protein Bars are just packed with high quality ingredients to keep you physically and mentally fit. I feel like I have energy throughout my whole day now, now that I've been actually having breakfast with IQ Bar. And they have loads of different flavors from chocolate sea salt to peanut butter chip, wild blueberry, and so many more. And they're absolutely delicious. The IQ Mix is zero sugar drink mix. Their IQ Joe is a jitter-free instant coffee pack with 200 mg of natural caffeine. And their IQ Bar just makes a number one brain and body nutrition bar like... You guys, you have to try it, okay? 
So refuel smarter in 2024 with IQ Bar's ultimate sampler pack. That's seven IQ Bars, four IQ Mix 6, and four IQ Joe 6. And now our special podcast listeners and Bessie can get 20% off of all IQ Bar products. Plus you can get free shipping. So again, to get your 20% off, all you have to do is text ADULTING to 64000. Get your discount, text ADULTING to 64000. That's ADULTING to 64000. Take better care of your health and support my show. Love you, besties. Also, text disclaimer, message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. So you don't end up in the same relationship for as long as I was. That's why I end up having to learn about love much later in my life. That's why I have to be in my 30s and to start over to find out and learn what love is. Growing up, my dad and I didn't have the type of relationship where we hugged or we kissed. It wasn't really the type of relationship with my mother either. And because my dad never hugged or kissed me or never told me that he loved me, except in birthday cards, sometimes in writing, but never verbal, that's what I got to learn the love was. The love was distant, love was cold, and love had to be achieved. Even with my boyfriend, I had no idea how to love him. And then when I found out eventually he was cheating on me, I thought it was my fault. I thought, well, if I gave him more touch, if I expressed myself better, if I told him that I loved him, if I acted like a real girlfriend, then he would have loved me. He's cheating on me because it's my fault because I have no idea how to express myself. There were so many times that I'd be sitting there looking at my boyfriend, dying to hug him or to be cute with him and to be all touchy. But I didn't know how because I didn't get to learn that growing up. I remember I used to look at my dad wanting to hug him. My friend was like, you never hug your dad. And I said, what if I try? And he's like, ew, that's gross. That's disgusting. Get away from me. Because I couldn't even imagine doing something like that. So, of course, then I can't couldn't imagine then hugging or being lovey with my partners. But again, just because that's your upbringing doesn't mean it has to stay that way. I've completely unlearned all of it, as you know. And the funny thing about this is that at work, the reason I've always pursued the type of jobs that don't focus on my looks, whether it was working in the district attorney's office, actually getting my degrees, two of them, in business law and accounting, to being an accountant, to then doing daddy issues, which was anonymous, to doing podcasting, which none of it has to do with my looks, is because I wanted to constantly prove my father wrong. My father who told me that all I had was my looks, I wanted to show that I didn't need my looks to achieve things in life. That was one of the reasons I am so you know, defensive about it whenever anyone tells me that because of my looks, I got to where I'm at, because it's not true. I despise that. So I did the opposite. So for whatever reason, weirdly enough, with men, it's like I want to be their trophy while at work. I wanted people to forget what I looked like and to show my skills. Daddy Issues, the meme account, it helped me find myself. You guys helped me learn how to love myself. I don't think I'll ever be able to express how indebted I am to the OG original followers of Daddy Issues. Not only did you guys save me from crippling depression while I was an accountant hating my life and my job, but you helped me find myself and learn how to love myself. It wasn't until daddy issues that I completely changed my whole life. It was in that moment that I realized that I was enough when I created daddy issues. 
and that I wanted to change the dynamic of my father. It was when I created daddy issues, I created this girl who I thought I could never be like her. I created a persona. I even gave her her name, which was Violet, which is my shorter name, since obviously my name is Yoletta. But I wrote about this girl because when I was an accountant, still on and off with my boyfriend, I felt invisible. I felt like no one saw me and I felt like I walked into a room. No one even knew I was there. I had no idea who I was. The people on my team and my firm, you know, completely broke me. And I guess I was just not strong enough. And I would cry every day in my car. And then I started writing about this girl that I wish I could be like, that I could, I never thought I could be like her. I created this account when I was on my lowest and I felt so lost and I felt so invisible and I never thought I could be like her. She was this cool girl that no one would ever ignore and all the boys loved her and I had no idea how to ask for love and with her, they all wanted her, they all loved her and she was rich. She had all this money, which I didn't have and she was everything I wanted to be and everything I was not. So I started writing about her whole story. As many of you know, my real legal last name is Cohen. It's as Jewish as it gets. But her last name was Benson. That's where my last name is now. It's from her, the girl I wrote about, and it's because her dad was British. And I just Googled top 10 most popular British last names, and Benson was one of them, and that's what I named her. And I created daddy issues with that persona in my, in my mind. She was my alter ego. And as time went on, I could see that all these people could relate to the memes that I was posting and it started to make me feel like home and I started to connect more and more to the audience of daddy issues. It made me feel seen and I started to feel more and more like this girl that I created was becoming me until one day I became her. I didn't need to pretend anymore. And that's why around, I think, two years into doing daddy issues, I came out as daddy issues. I I finally showed my face because I wasn't pretending anymore. I was her. The OG fans and followers of daddy issues created me and gave me my confidence. It made me feel so loved for the first time in my life. I never felt like I ever fit in. And it was the first time where it's always when you don't care about fitting in anymore is when you fit in. And it made me realize that I wasn't alone. Everyone else could relate to my issues. And I realized like, wow, this whole time, because that's because that's the thing about depression or anxiety or feeling alone. It feels like such a lonely club. It feels like you're the only member of that club when in reality, everyone else goes through the same shit you go through. If only you just asked. And when you guys helped me find myself and find love within myself, it made me realize that I didn't care anymore about being rejected. I didn't care anymore about needing this validation. For fuck's sake, I spent 20 years chasing love that I was never going to get. And I realized that I was done. And I realized that if I was able to change my life for the better by creating daddy issues and seeing and helping all these other people out there, then I realized I could also help myself. When I realized that I didn't need outside validation anymore, I realized that I wanted to tell my dad that I loved him. I wanted to hug my dad. I wanted to be there for my dad. I was ready to forgive him for the way we grew up because I knew that my father didn't know any better. He was raised poorly and then he did his best to what it was to be a father. His father never provided for him and his family. His father was never around because he was busy being alcoholic and cheating and my dad swore to be a, a provider and that's what he did. That's the only way he knew how to show love. So I decided 
that I was going to start hugging my dad, that I was going to start telling my dad that I loved him. And I didn't care if he wasn't going to say back because I was confident enough in myself now that he loved me. I didn't need that validation because I had it within me. So then we start having phone calls. And every time I would get off the phone, I would say, wait, dad, hold on. I love you. And it would just be silence. And then my dad would hang up and didn't stop me. didn't matter. We continued on. Then I'd be like, hey, dad, I love you. Then eventually he starts saying, me too, and hang up. Then after a while, it was, hey, dad, I love you. And I actually remember on my 24th or 25th birthday, I wrote my dad a poem. In the poem, it tells him how thankful I am to be his daughter, that I understand him now, and how even though I felt invisible growing up, that now he treats me like a princess. And the way he looks at me, I feel so loved. And it wasn't even happening yet, but I manifested it. I, I pretended as if it was already happening. And my dad called me that day. And as usual, it was for his birthday. So what we used to do on birthdays is if we tell each other that we loved each other on birthdays, it's usually in a card or finally it became on voicemails. But none of us, we don't pick up because it was still uncomfortable to really verbally hear this. And when my dad called me, I screened the call and it went to voicemail and my dad was in tears in the voicemail telling me how much he appreciates that poem and that he's crying. And it was so sweet. And it was the first time that I felt like my work for this is working and that my dad feels loved. That was everything for me. So after that is when I started to do that. I love you in on phone calls. And eventually he started to say, I love you back. And then when we were around each other, I started to hug him more. It felt so weird at first. It felt unnatural. <laughs> Anyone out there that has that type of relationship with their parents, you can understand. It didn't feel normal, but I just kept doing it until it started to feel natural. And my whole family's dynamic has completely changed. My dad now is obsessed with me. And it's so weird because to this day, sometimes when my dad texts me that he loves me, I start getting excited like a little schoolgirl it's so new to me. It's only been, I think, eight years since I've gone to work on my relationship with my father and my whole family. But when I finally got to a point where I realized I didn't need that validation and I loved myself and that I am enough within myself, not only did I change the dynamic of my father, I stopped chasing and needing that validation and love from my ex. I healed a small part of my childhood self, not all of it, but a small part of it. And that small part was enough because I finally gave her the love that she needed. I wanted love so bad that I forgot that it had to start with me. You spend your whole life thinking that people don't love you until one day you realize they were all trying. You just didn't know what it was. I realized as an adult that my mom was so strong. My mom was the strongest one the whole time. She gave me unconditional love and she didn't care if I ever said it back. She gave it freely and it freed her. She chose to not let the world darken her heart regardless of what she's gone through. And my mom has gone through a lot. She is literally the strongest woman I've ever met in my life. And yet she chose to remain soft. She chose to show her emotions. She was honest about who she is, who she was. She is the strongest one in my whole family. There's so much that I can learn from her and I'm still learning. And it made me realize as a grown-up that it was my dad and I who were the weak ones who couldn't express our emotions. And we were the ones that needed to change.
once I found love within myself and I healed some parts of my inner child and I worked on my relationship with my dad, it was so easy to finally let my ex go. It was so easy to realize that I will never get his validation. And guess what? I never actually fucking needed it. He was a loser. And I was so thankful I didn't end up with him. It was me that got to choose to finally walk away. Because that's the thing about these type of exes or people that are you're in toxic relationships with, especially with men. Men will always come back. It's up to the woman to finally shut the door. So as long as you leave the door a little open, the man will always come back because it feels nice to be wanted. It feels nice to be in a warm pussy that, that feels familiar. It's up to us to close the door fully and to walk away. I mean, this dude was engaged and he kept still trying to come back because, you know, some men just don't change. But I wasted years on someone who didn't deserve me because I thought I loved him, but I never did. It was never about him. I just didn't see that yet. Like I said, I'm a late bloomer when it comes to love and it's unfortunate that I got to learn all of my lessons so much later in life. But I genuinely believe that this all happened to me and... I went through this journey, so now I can help other people out there from my mistakes. I went through all of this so I can be exactly where I'm at right now, and I can help anyone else out there that's currently listening. So that's how you can fix the type of people that you're attracted to. You have to start with yourself. You have to start with healing yourself and your inner child. You have to realize that eventually... Whatever it is that you're seeking, is, it's not enough. You have to decide to just stop and say, I've had enough. I've seen this movie. I don't like how it ends. I'm ready for a new beginning. You have to finally learn how to unlearn everything you ever thought you knew about love and to start teaching yourself all over again. doesn't matter what age you're at. You can start today. It's never too late because everyone deserves to be loved exactly the way you want to be loved. So stop chasing people who don't love you. Stop chasing people who remind you of what home used to be, especially if that home was never good for you. So I hope you can take whatever you can from this episode. I hope you can save it and I hope you can listen to it every time you feel not so great about yourself, but just know that you're not alone. And it takes years, even a lifetime, to fix your inner child. But the best thing you can do for yourself is just to start. Okay? I love you. I hope you have a beautiful day. Mwah.